You're listening to Inside Entrepreneurship, a show about doing business in the 21st century. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the second episode of Inside Entrepreneurship. Today, I am joined by my co-host Susan Murphy and Basim Al-Qawabi and our guest and friend, John Wilman. John is a friend of all of us here at the podcast and a mentor as well. John also shares an entrepreneurial background as a professor and someone who has a project on entrepreneurship, a video project that is currently going on where all three of us have been featured as well. So we believe that John would be the perfect first guest for this podcast. Please tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a professor at Algonquin College. I've been teaching there um, 19, no, actually more than that, 20 years. Enjoy it very much. It's like my dream job. I just love going to work, uh, love uh, dealing with students. I teach in the School of Media and Design, and um, I teach primarily design now, but I've been teaching coding and designing, you know, both. And But more recently, I've been asked to teach an entrepreneurial course, and um, that has been an ex- a very interesting experience for me, and I could share a lot about it with you if, you, if you'd like. I, I wanted to just jump right in on that because your um, course is called The Entrepreneurial Mindset. Is that correct? Yes, that's yeah. right. And in on your website, I was looking and it says you, you call the entrepreneurial mindset a mindset for life. And I yeah. think that's really compelling. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, because uh, I was asked to teach this course and um, it was a, a course that was presented to me and all the materials were there. And um, when I got into it, it was primarily a business course. One in which I would ask students somewhere within the course to come up with a business idea and that we were going to try to implement this uh, business idea, all done within three hours for 14 weeks. It doesn't give much time to do it. I learned a lot about students. I learned a lot about myself and um, found out that my students think a lot more differently than I do. And so what I found at the beginning was that students... But they weren't really necess- they weren't really interested in developing their own business. They just weren't. It was hard to grasp and get their attention and try to get them motivated in this course. Most of them were uh, web developers or learning to be web developers or game developers or designers of some sort, um, content developers for the web. And um, so what I found, and so I, like I guess most teachers, I experimented a bit. So I started to ask them, okay, if you're not really interested in getting a business, what are you interested in? Okay, what do you want? <laughs> uh, what are your dreams? And um, it was hard to get that out of them. So I started sharing my dreams. And, you know, my dreams when I was younger was to get a house, uh, to make lots of money, um, to, um, well, for me, to amass real estate, um, to get a you know beautiful house, beautiful you know, get a car, you know, <laughs> you know, this type of thing and have a good job. And um, what I found from my students that they're not really interested in that. Uh, this generation is a little different. Um, and in my opinion, they have a healthier uh, perspective on life than my generation. Um, 
I'm a baby boomer. Mm -hmm. um, I was brought up to work hard and focus on getting what I wanted. And uh, most of the things I wanted were material. But what I discovered from my students was that uh, what they wanted were um, lifestyle. You know, they wanted to be able to travel. They wanted to have a job that allowed them to have time to have an actual life. Um, they wanted not necessarily one job, but to have serial jobs where they can explore more. Uh, wanted to travel, that was a big thing. Wanted to explore their talents. And so, okay, uh, this is what you guys want. Um, what I did was I morphed the course into being something different from a business course. It was a lifestyle course. It was a course to be able to apply entrepreneurial mindset skills to your life ongoing, okay? Where are you now? Where do you want to go? This type of thing. It could be that you want a job. You want to start a business. So all the skills that were being taught in the course that I was introducing were skills that you could, um, you know, think of a, a plan for a business, assess that plan, um, uh, actually implement the plan and go for it. Um, yeah, those, those skills were there. And so we could explore those. But for the broader picture, I thought, okay, let's look at our lives. What do we want? Where do we want to go? Uh, let's take the skills. And I had to come up with a list of skills. That's the other thing. <laughs> um, to, um, to engage students in go going from where they are now to where they want to be, whatever that is. Not my ideas, not my vision for life, but their vision for life. And as soon as I started saying that, then I, well, you know, the light bulbs, you know, started coming on, and they started dreaming and thinking and things like that. So that's where I got the uh, that idea, uh, Susan. It came mm -hmm. from a mistake uh, on my part, and then okay, what do I have to do? Because the course. If I kept on going in the, the direction that it was going, it was going to be a dud. Mm. Uh, wasn't going to work. Um, it's turned around to become a very popular course, and so I'm very proud of that. Um, but then that sort of leads to um, what I did for my project, and and I could talk about that if you'd like. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting perspective there because. We were kind of talking about that a little bit in our first episode was how having an entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial mindset is more than just like, you know, having a job. So like it's, it does become a lifestyle because like it does impact the way you structure your everyday, the way you work towards your goals, how you even um, start your journey. I, I love what you say uh, about it being a lifestyle. And I was wondering, you know, like you said, it, your course isn't necessarily geared now towards somebody who wants to start their own business although i'm sure somebody who wants to start their own business gets just as much out of it as as somebody who wants to go and work for you know for a company or companies but where do you think like somebody who's up and coming whether they're an entrepreneur or whether they, they want to go into a career path where do you think they should start their journey uh because it it seems to me that it's it can be very overwhelming to say, okay, I have this goal that I want to achieve. How the heck do I even start to think about how I'm going to achieve that? Okay. So yeah, you brought up one good word, overwhelming. Okay. <laughs> so um, 
the other thing I discovered with students is that um, they're coming in with a lot of anxiety. They just don't know how to discern what is truthful, what isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, critical uh, thinking skills were not there. You know, in this age of you know social media, we can be pulled one way or the other way. We can get trapped in a, a rabbit hole and just not know where truth is anymore. So yeah, anxiety uh, is a big thing. So actually, I started to address that in class. Um, you know, um, it's one of the things I had to do was assess um, what is causing anxiety. And I guess that's where it leads to my um, interviews with mm -hmm. uh, this past year, what I, I had a sabbatical. And um, I started interviewing um, uh, entrepreneurs to see what skills they had, how they used them. Uh, and I think most importantly, and all of you have been interviewed by me, uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to find out um, what hardships you had, uh, what mistakes you made, uh, what failures you had, because I think students really resonate with truth. And if you bring out the truth, you tell it the way it is, students can recognize that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, inter you know, I interviewed, oh, I don't know, how many entrepreneurs and I'm it's still still ongoing as you all know I started asking questions and I came up with a set of skill sets um, that I would call entrepreneurial skill sets or what would make up the entrepreneurial mindset uh, because you can go online you can get a list of things that people think are entrepreneurial thinking um, you can, there's multiple books out there and frankly, I, I, it was hard to find a good book <laughs> to to uh, relate to for my students to relate to. So and you're going to so, write it, right? I am actually. Good. <laughs> I'm actually starting to write a book because awesome. It's a it's an entrepreneurial skill set for life. Yeah. Okay? And as you had mentioned, you know, students come and they don't know which way to go. Right. That's the first thing I can tell you a story about that in um, in essence that uh, really surprised me with my classes. If you'd like to hear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I started asking students at the beginning of you know, the course, I start off by saying, what is a mindset? OK, and how the way we think will guide uh, our lives. Right. Our our thoughts become actions. And, um, and so you want to guard your thoughts and you want to develop a set of uh, thoughts and skill sets. Um, and so I would start with that. And then I would jump in and say, okay, what is your dream? And to my surprise, um, you know, there would be a certain percentage of students that would have a dream. They, they know what they want. I want to go do this. Uh, there was a percentage of students that didn't want to say their dreams because they felt they perhaps would be laughed at. Uh, these were mm -hmm. students who would want to be writers or um, video producers or musicians. Got a lot of people wanting to become musicians or uh, recording artists, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had uh, those people just had to encourage and, and you know be truthful and tell. I've shared my dreams and, you know, that type of thing. And it brought it out with them. Then there was a group of students that did, didn't have dreams. I thought, well, what, what's going on here? Everybody has a dream, you know, like, <laughs> like come on. Uh, and I would go and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Well, well, what do you like doing? Well, I like playing video games. Okay. Well, would you like to be a video game developer? No. 
well, what do you like doing? Do you, you like playing music? No. <laughs> you know, I, get, I get these dark holes that, that students were caught in. And I, you know, at first I thought, you know, being my bad teacher thought was, you're lazy, you don't want anything, you don't know what you're doing, mommy and daddy, you paid for your schooling, you don't care, uh, come on, grow up type of thing. Um, I, had, I had a big learning experience. You know, the professor probably learns more than the students, I think, sometimes. Um, perhaps that's a good thing. Mm. Uh, I discovered that um, some of my students came from backgrounds where they felt they couldn't dream. And they had come from such bad backgrounds. So I started to get students to um, share these, their backgrounds with me. Uh, and this is where I discovered things like what hardships have you encountered? Who are your mentors? Who do you admire? Uh, most students, when they were asked, who do they admire? They would say, mom, mom and dad, okay. Uh, you know, this this came up. That was common, right? Which is a lovely thing. You know, I wish parents would know it more. You know, it's like saying, right, you know, phoning up these parents and saying, hey, your kids love you. <laughs> but uh, what came out was really shocking. Uh, students who had been abused, beaten, students who had have overcome or tried to overcome drug problems, sexual identity problems. I found a certain percentage of my students were sex workers trying to make their payments for school. I found that uh, students were uh, had mental illness problems. I, and where it really, really hit home was um, I just had this one student didn't have a dream. By this time, I had caught on to what was happening. And so he wrote me. Wonderful. Like, I mean, like it's, uh, I, 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 this course I love because students open up to me and I just like, oh my God, they're saying things that is beyond my purview to really uh, guide these people, except for in school thoughts, right? School thoughts. Um, I'm not a counselor, okay? But bringing forward things that are real problems. And this one guy brought up, he said, listen, John, you asked what I, what my dreams were at the beginning of the course, and I didn't have a dream. And I realized I didn't feel like I had the right to dream. He says, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug user. I've been in prison. My wife left me. My kids won't talk to me. I've been on the street. And somehow, he didn't actually say, but I, I got the impression that he got a government-sponsored tuition. And he was in my course. And the thing that really hit me, really hit me hard was, he says, I never felt I had the right to dream until now. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. 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 And so, okay, that changed my course. So yeah. um, I started compiling a list of all the problems students have. And I went through them all in a, you know, I use PowerPoint. It's it. Tell my students, but PowerPoint is really for me to keep my thoughts straight rather than for them. You know, mm -hmm. I know which direction I'm supposed to go. I think you guys can relate to this. I have ADD. totally yes. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, it's it's a tool that I use. And uh, so I went through it. Okay, um, I, I started finding examples of people who were homeless, people who 
who had children and um, single parents, people who were on welfare, people who had manic depression, people who, well, I, there must be about 20 of them. And then I would find examples of people who were successful with these things. And so the lesson, that lesson, okay, so we had, you know, first lesson, what are, what are mindset? Second lesson, what's your dream? You know, third lesson, you know, your personal situation that you find yourself in shouldn't restrict you. You're more than the situation that you find yourself in. The only thing, I mean, they're, they're hard, horrible hardships. You've got hardships. We all have hardships. You have a choice. You can react in a different way than most people, right? You can actually turn into some of your problems and say, how can I make this an advantage? Boy, that really turns some minds. You know, they start thinking, oh, come on, you know, really? And then you you, you start talking about it. And you start saying, well, these people did it. And some, some people who are famous, okay? Manic depression, bipolar. You know, Churchill was bipolar. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his big thing was, he would say, well, he, there's an advantage. I think most people don't think there's an advantage of being bipolar, but okay, well, let's look at it, okay? You're bipolar. <laughs> you have the opportunity to look at things in a super optimistic way at one period of time, and then in a very pessimistic way <laughs> later on, you know, as you go down and up, right? Like, you get to self-assess yourself as if you're more than one person, basically. You know, that's just one example. And there's mm -hmm. multiple examples like this. Yeah. So that was the next lesson. And I I hope I'm going in the direction you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. This is amazing. And, and you know, I was I was actually going to talk about mental health a little bit more because it's something it's like you just nailed it right on the head. Right. Because it's something that can hold people back and does hold people back. And it's held me back in the past. And I yeah. um, but it's also something that can move you forward. Right. Once you discover what those opportunities are. Um, so, you know, for somebody who's dealing and struggling with mental health issues uh, and that they're trying to build forward and trying to understand what their dreams might be and allowing themselves to dream, you know, maybe for the first time. Um, do you have any advice for those people in terms of how, how did like, I know you're not a therapist, <laughs> but, but yeah. in terms of, of how to, to continue to drive yourself forward in spite of the challenges that you need to overcome or the challenges that you're facing. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. You mentioned I'm not a therapist and mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to really counsel my students that way. But there are certain truths, okay? You've got to face them. And they're, they're mm -hmm. there and they're obvious. And one of the truths that students don't seem to grasp uh, is you've got to do something about it. You can't just sit back. You can't go to work um, and say, here's my letter. <laughs> I, I need something from you. Or, you know, I can hand in my projects late or whatever. You get that at school. You know, mm -hmm. school's a special place. And I tell students, you know, this is, a wonderful playground. You are you are safe to fail here. You can fail here. Nothing's going to happen. Your spouse is not going to leave you. You're not going to lose your job. You just have to do a course over again. You know, failure here is, you know, don't worry about it. You know, fail. Learn from your failures. But when you go to work, you got to find a way of dealing with the problems you have. Um, so, you know, sleep medication maybe some little 
tricks you can possibly use. And so I determined to myself, okay, you know, I, um, you know, I guess I, 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 I guess I'm blunt about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me tell another, another story if I might. Sure. Uh, 20 years ago, I might have had one student out of 75 that had anxiety to the point where it would it would be such that they couldn't complete the program. Mm-hmm. They drop out, that type of thing. Now, it's at least 20%. You know, I have a lot of students, and I'm not talking about anxiety where you go in, you're feeling nervous. I'm talking about anxiety where these students drop out because they can't handle, they can't handle going to um, a room with other people. Um, They can't handle doing group work. They can't handle having the teacher ask you a question, this type of thing. Okay, you guys guys can relate to this a bit. Totally. Uh, Yeah, okay. As a teacher and a student. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. And as a teacher and a student, me, okay. Because uh, I, I consider myself a student as I teach. I hate that's mm. that to some people, but that's I'm learning. Okay, as I go along. Totally. So I tell students things like, "Okay, you gotta come up with a plan." I mean, you've got this problem. I can't cancel you out of it, but maybe you might want to just try a few tips here. I say, "Okay, if you are," and I've had the, these students. I've had this conversation many times. I'm so anxious. I can't stay in the classroom. I have to leave. So, okay, well, leave. Don't ask. Get up, go out of the classroom, but don't go home. Mm-hmm. Walk around a bit, go to the cafeteria, come back. Uh, perhaps if you let your professor know, <laughs> it, it might be more helpful if you go to um Center for Accessible Learning, that's Algonquin College. That's a place where you can go and you can talk to a counselor and they'll give you a letter that says you need such and such. They don't have to disclose what their ailment is. Mm-hmm. But students do, they, they tell, okay? I don't ask, they tell. Um, I just say, well, perhaps what you want is a chair right next to the door. So then you can get up, leave, come back. Don't disappear because you have to do that. And you're gonna have a job someday and you won't necessarily be able to tell the boss that, you know, I have anxiety problems, but you might have to be able to say, well, maybe I have a bladder problem, <laughs> you know? And you get up and you go to the bathroom and you come back, you go to the bathroom, you come back. It's a coping mechanism. And yeah. there's multiple other coping mechanisms, you know? Um, you know, you shake your leg rather than you know, you get rid of your anxiety physically somehow, but you can still sit there type of thing. These are things that mm-hmm. I can relate to. The message is you have to find a way of coping. You have to. There's no magic about it. You have to. That kind of brings me back to the point that you were making about video games, right? Um, I have a lot of friends who are also neurodivergent and who play games. You know, like a lot of them are serial gamers. Um, I'm not like I do play video games, uh, but that's not one of my special interests. But what I've learned from my friend circles who do game a lot into their 20s and 30s is um, there's a lot of connection with their mental health. And I think on a subconscious level, it's more about 
in a video game, um, you're immersed, um, you're not yourself, right? So you're kind of uh, stepping out of your own personal problems and you're facing challenges mm -hmm. that are, you know, that can be immediate, like, you know, you're fighting other opponents, you're uh, confronting other gamers on a on an online game, uh, essentially, you have to avoid the risk of dying within the game. But I guess that enables them to face those challenges, um, face the fears that they might have underlying, but project them into a game. Um, and if they die, they can start all over again. Um, I think with college, even though there might be a chance to, to retake a course, what I'm gathering is that a lot of people might not have the option to spend more time at college. So they might feel pressured that, all right, they need to really perform in a certain way to get those grades. So they're not really going into it with the mindset of learning for the sake of expanding their knowledge and their skill sets rather than learning to get a degree, learning to get those grades. And I guess when it comes to anxiety as well, when they're facing the new situation, they're facing new people, as you said, when they open up to you about their problems, they feel a lot more comfortable. So I guess for a lot of them, it's, I guess it might be about finding a safe space for them to be themselves which enables them to be a little less anxious. Of course, you're absolutely right. What you're saying is absolutely true. Uh, a lot of students don't have the time, uh, don't, you know, they need to get their degree and yeah. they can't afford necessarily to take the course over again. And actually the course itself could be anxiety producing. These are all true. And I talk about this, not just in my entrepreneurial mindset course, but I teach design. It's related, believe it or not, because I teach design to students who then have to submit their designs to me. And some of them just want to submit a design that's going to get an A. They don't care about being creative. They don't care about meeting the needs of whatever the design is for. They're thinking about, well, I got to get a good mark. And so I have a good talk with them. <laughs> and one of the things that is the... Um, the bane of good design is fear of failure. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta be able to fear, you gotta be able to fail. And in fact, this is this is, transcends itself into entrepreneurial mindset too. If you're not willing to fail, uh, that's a real bad ha handicap. Okay, you, you gotta be able to fail um because that's where you're going to learn okay mm -hmm. you, you got you, you can learn from books you can learn from other people you can learn from your failures uh, believe me i've learned a lot from my failures and that's perhaps how i get students to open up because i <laughs> i actually say well here's one professor who's going to tell you all the things he did wrong <laughs> <laughs> some of them are just you know you know cringe for the uh things that i've gone through but if you can't if you can't be willing to put out a bad idea because you're going to be criticized or you know or 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 write a piece of music that you know other people say it's terrible if you're not willing to do that you can't be you can't be creative you just can't you can't be creative 
and if you if you're afraid of losing all your money or not getting your degree, um, where are you going to be going to life? You're going to have you're going to go work for the government. <laughs> Sorry, folks who <laughs> out there working for the government. It's a pretty safe place to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to have your own agency, or if you're going to um, be doing web development or doing videography or artwork, music or production of one sort of another, you better be willing to fail. You better develop a thick skin. You better develop a thick skin about criticism. Um, you have to overcome that particular anxiety. You know, mm -hmm. anxiety is the bane of creativity. It really is, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. Absolutely. I think we addressed it. Like people at, at universities can't fail because they have to get their degree. Yeah. That in itself is a, a, it's not an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned to Inside Entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. One of the reasons we started this podcast is that all three of us are sort of in different phases of our careers and different generations of our lives and things like that. And we wanted to really bring together those perspectives of, you know, someone who's been doing it for a long time and, you know, the old person and then some people who oh, are younger are just the old person. <laughs> <laughs> who are just starting out, you know, in, yeah. in, in a business and, and building a business and growing a business. Um, but for the more experienced entrepreneur, I guess this is more of a personal question. Um, how can how can someone who's been doing this for a long time, because we tend to get set in our ways, right? How can we develop our mindset, our entrepreneurial mindset, or continue to develop that mindset so that we can continue to succeed and grow and fail and do all of those things, but do it with that that kind of lifestyle mindset in in, in mind? Well. That's a really good question. That really is. Um, okay, well, there are several different ways. Um, and, and I've used them. And I know you guys use them. Um, one is to surround yourself with people who are entrepreneurs, good people. Um, I surround myself with good people. <laughs> I really do people who are really creative people who are willing to take chances um so that's one way of learning uh, mentors that's another way of learning um you know having other people um help you you know you know i bassam is a mentor to me you know like i turn to him and say okay uh, Bassam, we've got this situation what do we do uh it's good to turn to other people um and ask for advice and then I would say there's two other two other avenues of approach on this. It would be books, uh, reading, uh, reading a lot. Well, actually, three because reading and then interviewing. I got to interview uh, other people to get yeah. some information. Not everybody has that ability, but I have. Uh, and then uh, social media. And uh, <laughs> confess <laughs> to the chagrin of my partner, um, 
I'm on TikTok and Instagram a lot. And um, as you know, that uh, social media in, in itself is, um, it will find the stream of least resistance for you. It'll give you the same stuff over and over and over again. Well, after a while, it knows I'm interested in entrepreneurial mindset and it knows that I'm interested in business and knows that I'm interested in uh, creativeness, uh, that type of thing. So I get a lot of um, information that way too. Other people who, you know, I've really picked up a lot of uh, good information that way. And what I tend to tend to do, I don't know if you guys do this. I'll, I um, When I find something good, I don't just let it go. I copy it down, I make notes. Um, I find out these people have written books, you know, um, I really got into stoicism um, lately mm. because of basically because of TikTok. I realized I've been really thinking that way a lot all my life and it actually fits very well into the entrepreneurial mindset. So cool. uh, that's the other thing I'm doing. I'm collecting a list of books for students to read uh, to help them. Maybe I should be doing it for well, I'm putting it up on my website. Yeah, and, um, it's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. Yeah. yeah so those are methods. A good, good failure. Failure is good creative work. Surely is. Failure will kick you out of your, if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a, in a rut. You know, mm -hmm. it certainly smartened me up a few times. Well, you know, I, 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 tell my, I tell my students this, I say, um, you know, um, you have to have a good balance between failure and success. Mm -hmm. You know, self-confidence is built upon success, but resilience is built upon failure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. I have a lot of students coming in from high school who've never failed, they've never mm -hmm. failed. So consequently, they come in with a lot of, both at university and at college, okay? They'll come in with lots of self-confidence and you don't want to burst a bubble, you know, you, you, you but you gotta be realistic and you gotta give out those C's and D's every once in a while and, and then they freak out. Uh, I'm finding that students have very little resist, uh, resilience right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on, you know, like, not everybody gets uh you know a medal for participation you know you gotta you gotta be able to fail i i, I don't i think we're doing our our young people a disservice not to allow them to fail more do you think That's, this do you think the pandemics had anything to do with this cohort being in that frame of mind i don't know yet because yeah. frankly i've gone through the pandemic and i've taken a, a year off for sabbatical right uh, I'm going back in the classroom in September, and it's going to be three and a half years since I've actually. Oh been. wow! Okay, I didn't realize that. That's wow, and very yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Three and a half years since I've seen a, another teacher. That's another wild. Person, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know that, and that's a real handicap because mm -hmm. um, um, you want to be able to sit down with lunch with other teachers, get ideas, and talk about problems. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that mentorship that yeah. we were talking about, right? Yeah. Like you, you, yeah. you need to have those connections with other people. It's yeah. you, you can't run you can't run a business in a bubble, and you can't teach in a bubble. Like you, it requires other people and feedback, and yeah, yeah. yeah that cycle. One of the things that I gather from your time, both teaching and 
with your entrepreneurship project is you were exposed to a lot of different perspectives. So I have a two-in-one question for you. Question number one, what lessons have you learned teaching entrepreneurship to different generations of students? So like how did those different generations of students, because you said some are older, they're married, they have kids, they're coming back to school after like life being hard on them. Some have right out of high school and they're full of confidence, never having failed. So how, what have you learned teaching these different generations of students and building on that as you started your, the human fire project, how has that project informed you about entrepreneurship as well? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, two good questions. Okay. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention to you, I have this uh, website called uh, humanfire.com and um, that I've been building uh, and uh, compiling information from my readings, from my social media, from interviews and um, other areas. But what, and from students, okay, <laughs> from students. Um, that's the big thing, that's a big one. Actually, I've learned a lot from students. Like I said, I'm a senior citizen. Um, I'm I'm a baby boomer, okay. Really, really different <laughs> from young people today. Really different. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me because I've been teaching for twenty years, and you just you you see it. You you you're actually pulled along with it. <laughs> uh, and so, um, but I've been shocked by um, the different worldview young people have today really shocked uh i'm far more optimistic than young people um i've been saddened by the things that they tell me you know they don't want to have children because they don't want to bring children into this world um that they don't feel that they'll ever have a job in the future well they'll never have a house and just the pessimism mm, it's really hopeless Hopeless is yeah. not a good thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe even worse than anxiety. Yeah. Or fear. Mm -hmm. Hopelessness is is a bad hole to be in. A really bad hole. Um, and then um getting, I think um, from hopelessness comes a victim mindset. And when you have a student in a victim mindset, it's it's a, it's a bad situation. Yeah. Because it's hard to get someone up out of a victim mindset and perhaps i don't know how people get out of a victim mindset except to just slap out of it themselves maybe i'll discover something in my readings about this but a victim mindset is where you start blaming everybody else for the problems you have my generation i get blamed a lot you know because i've ruined it for them <laughs> you know but then i i meet young people who are in exactly the same world as the other young people, and they're doing well. They're ex excelling. You know, um, yeah, houses cost over half a million dollars now for nothing, but they do it. You know, and and it's not as hopeless as what everybody thinks. Um, and so I guess that's okay. So that's one thing I've learned. Um, I've learned that students feel hopeless, victim mindset. They feel that uh, my generation had it better. Um, and in some ways I did, uh, but in some ways I look back 
on previous generations. Like you talk about everybody's about this, you know, there's so many different levels that, for, that I'm teaching right now. I'm looking at a much broader spectrum. I'm looking at the last 80 years, okay? 100 years, really. My grandparents, you know, uh, they were lucky if their children lived because, the, the you know, they didn't have the, the medical infrastructure that we have today. Um, you know, my, my mother had polio, you know, they didn't have anything for that. Um, my, my parents went through the, uh, well, my grandparents went through the first world war, horrible, horrible experience. My parents went through the second world war, horrible experience. They lost their friends, their, you know, family members. And it just, you know, and then they came out with it with lots of hope, you know, it's amazing. Uh, and then my generation, which is a blessed generation, except that, you know, when I went to school, I was worried that, um, you know, there's you might, this ancient history for people, but, um, you know, I, I can remember when J John F. Kennedy was shot. I remember when the Cuban Missile uh, Crisis was on. If you don't know about that, look it up. I thought, I, wake, I, I was afraid I wouldn't wake up the next morning. I thought the end of the world was coming. Okay, I really thought I'd be lucky if I made it to 20 uh, and not burnt to a crisp because of a nuclear device. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. Okay, and I'm out of it and we're going ahead and, and I'm becoming much more resilient as I go along. So, oh, shoot, nothing's really happened. You know, it's good. But we're facing a new and coming back to your second part there. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're entering a new era that a lot of people are not recognizing and not seeing it for what it is. And it's coming and it's coming way faster than what they think. And maybe some of you have guessed, we're entering the uh, the age of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. and right now we have narrow AI, but um, I mean, I interviewed someone who was a futurist uh, for my project. And they were talking about, well, you better watch out because this is going to happen so fast. These narrow AIs are all going to be linked together and then they're going to become a much bigger AI and it's all going to be hosted on the web. From the time I interviewed him, you know, four months ago to now, he says it's going to happen exponentially. Okay, and so my young people coming into my classroom now are going to be thinking, well, is what I'm learning going to be relevant? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so just let me complete this thought. And the, the answer is that there are skill sets that you need that are core to get through all this. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurial mindset is becoming much more important to my students, I think, and will be more important in the future because you've got to navigate this problem, okay? Yeah. Problem, opportunity, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, there, therein, I, I'm going to just slip this in. Therein is a secret to entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur I've talked to, interviewed, opportunity, uh, problems uh, equal opportunities. If you've got a problem, you've got an opportunity. Okay, if you're facing the same problem that everybody else is facing, well, no one has a, a solution for it. Well, they, well, well you, you know. <laughs> You've got, you've got a the world's your oyster go for it okay sorry yeah, yeah I, I cut you off just because of the advent of ai right um 
and then there is the climate breakdown that's happening. So there's a sense of loss of control of the environmental factors that impact the anxiety. Uh, because yes, on a personal level, uh, we can basically work on you know developing a resilient mindset for our day-to-day challenges, our personal challenges, or you know in our small sphere. But the environmental factors that can throw a curveball. Yeah, I come from that generation. You know, I'm 30, turning 31 next month. So with the exponential rate of change, right? Uh, with the way technology and information is like, and I'm someone who's a knowledge hogger. Like I, I devour all kinds of science all the time. So I'm always up to date with the developments that are happening. But at the same time, it is overwhelming. It is, uh, mm-hmm. it can be, it can be a lot to take in because you're like, you're putting your efforts and then boom, here comes AI and it, just wipes you off your feet. This climate change exponentially, you know, worsening, and that creates a lot of butterfly effects that might impact how your opportunities might be in the future. So what about the entrepreneurial mindset and resilience do you think is really important about taking that into factor? So my other question was going to be related to your background in photography. I, as you had said in during one of our conversations that like you moved away from the photography business. And I think that was likely because, you know, smartphones and mass market DSLRs might have just like, they, they, I was a professional photographer for a while, a decade ago as well. And then this event happened and it has changed a lot. Like, you know, photography as a business has changed a lot. It's gone from specialist to like, everyone can just take a picture. And that's kind of what's happening with AI as well. How are you framing the conversation about this rapid change with your students? You know, what are some of the recommendations that you can make for our listeners about how to pivot or work around this rapid change? Oh, really good questions. Excellent questions. I hope I have as good as answers as you have questions. Definitely. Okay, so here, first of all, um, one lesson you have to learn, and you have to learn it quickly, is you don't have control over many, many things in life. You can't control the climate. You can't control AI. You only have one choice, and that is how to react to it. That's all. You don't have to worry about climate changes. Whatever is happening is happening. You have to decide on how you're going to react to it. That's all. Don't worry about the bigger problem. Worry about you and what you are going to do in reaction to the situation. That's the number one thing. Okay, that's number one. Um, Number two is um, critical thinking. Okay. Ah, boy. We've got to teach this. I'm fine. I teach a fourth year university course and I teach first year courses at college. Um, It doesn't matter. Each end critical thinking skills are lacking. I don't know why, but you know, you know, if you're, if you're going to listen to, uh, you don't have to go far on the internet when you you come across people say, you know, if you get this crystal, and you rub it just rightly, or you hold it to your heart, 
or you're having <laughs> thoughts and, and just write out your positive thoughts. And if you do this in a magical fashion, it's going to happen. You know, <laughs> oh my God, you know, like, gee, you know, and, 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 and students, they have a hard time discerning what's true, what isn't, because one person could be just as, you know, really impactful as the X. They could be fruit loops and they, they come across sounding as though they know what they're talking about. Discernment, critical thinking, that's one thing. So you can determine what is real, okay? Mm-hmm. Is AI going to destroy our lives? You know, who are you listening to? That's right. You know, some guy on a podcast, some guy on YouTube, are you gonna are you actually gonna get it some research and start looking at research, you know, um peer-reviewed research, mm-hmm. people who are actual experts at it, talking about what's happening in the future, what's gonna happen. So critical thinking and knowing that you can't change certain things, you can only react to it. And the last thing I want to say on this is the world needs young people, bright young people. Not, you know, we, you know, have those babies because we need, you know, if you're intelligent, you're, you, <laughs> and you've got your own business or you've gone to university, have a kid, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. the future is going to need bright people to overcome some obstacles or perhaps not overcome is not the perhaps the right word. But uh, again, I'm rather um, an optimist. I know most people are pessimistic, but we've got two choices in the world in the future. We've got two choices. Mm-hmm. Either it's going to be hell or it's going to be not nirvana. Is that the word for it? nirvana? Mm-hmm. It's going to be heaven, okay? Yeah. Uh, we could have a future that is unbelievably good, or we can have a future where just a few people in this world own and run everything and everybody else's minions. What future yeah. do you want? It's, it's our choice. Here's something that's going to blow your mind. 20 years, I'm going to be dead. You're going to be here, okay? I tell my students this, and they say, you can't say that, you can't say that. But the truth is, I am, you know, and you guys are going to be still here, and you're going to be working it through. I'm doing my part. I'm trying to teach students the skill sets to be able to navigate this, you know, and and continue working for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you, uh, you're young, bright people. Yes, Sue, you're young. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a youngin', okay. Um, And uh, you have um, more impact on the future than I have. Um, Use it wisely. Very smart, very wise words. Mm. Uh, We covered a lot that we we were talking about before, but I I did want to jump in a little bit. I, I tend to be an optimist as well, even though um, I can't seem ironic as someone who's gone through anxiety and bipolar over the years, but I think that it can allow someone to do some of that work internally and work on, you know, making it, asking yourself tough questions, right? Um, so, uh, so John, you, 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 you talked about a few themes there, and it, it's, it's a bit surreal when you say that, like I, I'm, I'm also sort of a mentor to you, but it started yeah. off the other way around. Yeah, right? yeah it's true. <laughs> the way around, but like we, and 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 same with Susan. Like she started off as a mentor and professor, and, and here we are collaborating on a on a yeah. project like this. Um, so it's really, I'm, I'm just making some comments. That it's really gratifying to have this experience, um, and also 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like one of my questions was, was the power of kind of intergenerational entrepreneurship because to coin a, to coin a term that uh, like Wendy Mayhew, um, who, who has the business, why seniors in business has talked about and, and, and you had referred her to me as a client uh, a few years ago, actually. Um, so I think that that's a theme that I'm, I'm really interested in and also the power of collaboration between, between entrepreneurs, between academics, and also between, sometimes it's, it's a challenge, but for instance, back in 2015, we did a collaboration between my newly formed company, Grassroots Multimedia, and Algonquin College for Digicom, for instance, right? And, and uh, you know, if you can think back a little bit back to then, like some of the lessons or the takeaways from that experience for you, and also, yeah, just the, the, the potential for, for more collaborations like that to happen between like, uh, between like industry and academia and, and, just, and just collaboration in general. I just recently, I'm just gonna open it up to you and confess something. It's hard for me, but uh, I've just encountered um, ageism for the first time. Someone was very prejudiced to me towards me because of my age. Oh, and it shocked me. Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, so, you know, um, so I've been coming, you know, you know, quite aware of it lately. I'm not even sure if I want to disclose my age anymore because of it. You're talking about multiple generational entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know where you, you uh, and I interviewed for a First Nations person, where you really come across that is in First Nations, right? They, they honor the people that are older and their experiences. We in our culture don't necessarily respect that. Um, maybe, I don't know. I haven't come across it yet really where people respect uh, the experience I bring, you know. Um, but I think it is valuable. Um, I guess, you know, uh, the three of you appreciate it, I think, <laughs> you know. That's nice. Absolutely, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. But uh, I think back, um, you know, I have had a lot of failure in my life. Um, you know, I um, yeah, lost a lot of money, <laughs> you know, for, you know, uh, and I could get pessimistic and think badly of the future, but I, I don't because that's the past. I mean, I, I used to have multiple properties, investment properties, lost it all, right? Um, but my life is better now and I've learned from that. Uh, I can apply my failures, the knowledge I've gained from my failures to my future. And perhaps one of the reasons why I have this um, uh, relationship with my students, uh, what's the multiple generational relationship is because I share my failures. Uh, and I think most people don't. They really want to hide their failures. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. okay, if I want my students to be really trusting me and really wanting to open up and talk to me about their dreams and whatnot, I better be able to share my failures. So one of the first things I do is I say, okay, I did all this in the past. Um, yeah, the, 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 the real estate was different back then and all that stuff. But um Here's where it all went wrong for me and what I'm doing now. Okay, how I react to it. That's 
that's and I think it works the other way too you know and I know you've you've talked about this previously when you work with when I work with people who are of the younger generation from me uh it's it's like when I work with somebody who's of an older generation right it's like I I learn so much from their perspectives on things and I consider things that I would never consider before you know because yeah because they're just coming at it from a different life perspective a life experience than I am and uh so I really appreciate that I I appreciate working with people of different of multiple gener different generations in the same way that my personal life I have friends who are well in their 70s and 80s and I have friends who are in their early 20s right and everywhere in between and yeah. it it just creates a much richer experience for your life but also for your work so it's boy Susan yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I rarely meet people who talk that way um yeah. but um my partner and I both feel that uh, like it's really important to have uh, just good people in your life. It doesn't matter yeah. what your age is, right? So I'm, right. because of that, I'm surrounded by people who are different ages, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really enriching. Uh, yeah, really enriching. Yeah, it is very, uh, um, I think some of you have seen my signature on my email, and it's, it's, if I can remember it correctly, it's a quote, um, they ask me why I teach, and I reply, yes. where could I find such splendid company? And it was first attributed to John Wooden. It might be the wrong attribution. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's really um, reflects how I think, you know, like um, everybody in teaching, the students, the young people, like, oh, my goodness, I, like, I've got to confess, I learn a lot from my students, you know. Um, and then other, just the other teachers, uh, the people I'm surrounded with there, because they're all uh, the giving type, you know, they want to share, they want mm -hmm. to give to young people, but they're wonderful people to be surrounded by, yeah, yeah. Uh, as as you guys are, yeah. Well, thank you. I guess you, 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 you were teaching this course before you went on sabbatical, and then um, you were working on the video project over that time, so there... It's, it's kind of like going to come up to like kind of like a reboot with the, with the lessons learned from all of those conversations and stuff like that. You have uh, um, some surprises in store for, for your future cohorts. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to be using um, the videos that I've taken as examples. Um, uh, I've broken them down into subjects. I mean, I've interviewed people over a period of uh, an hour and then I just broke it. Yeah, I've broken them down into very segments, little snippets, each one a lesson. And then I'm incorporating those into uh, the, the course that I'm teaching and then uh, eventually rewriting the course um, so that it matches um, the way I teach it, right? Uh, because as it is right now, it's just, it's mostly a business course. And um, I think there's some, there's, there's value to that, but I think a life lesson course. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I think there's a lot more value in a life lesson course, to be honest yeah. with you, yeah. because you can learn the business stuff is skills, right? You can learn those. You can learn that stuff. You can learn how to do your accounting. You can learn how to, or you can hire, you can hire somebody to do it. Right. But the life skills is where the, the rubber hit yeah. the road. Right. Yeah. I would say that like, um, Chad GPT can teach you 
those technical things, but the human fire needs to come from you, you know? Yeah. Amazing things are coming up. Yeah. yeah, I think you're the, the sad thing is is that uh um a mindset's very difficult to change. It's true. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like people get entrenched in the way they think. And um, you know, it's a hard thing to change. Mm -hmm. But perhaps easier when they're people are younger. Like, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> get set in our ways yeah. thank you so much for all of your insights and for you know opening up as well with a lot of your personal experiences mm -hmm. this was like you covered a lot of things that we're going to explore a bit more in detail in subsequent podcasts as well so Good. yeah uh, yeah hopefully you know we can bring you back for another episode down the line once you do go back to school Mm -hmm. That would be yeah, that would yeah. be interesting to know yeah. what your experience has been just to document this, right? Thank you so much. Oh no, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and honor that uh, you guys would think of me as someone uh, worthy enough to be interviewed. <laughs> You've been listening to Inside Entrepreneurship, a show about doing business in the 21st century. Follow us online at insideentrepreneurship.ca and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.